up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment and the human spirit. Uh, welcome to another episode of Up Close with Carlos Sang. My next guest is a four-time Olivier Award nominee who has previously been seen in productions of Half a Sixpence, An Officer and a Gentleman, and Love Story, just to name a few. She is about to start in the brand new production of The Sound of Music at Chichester Festival Theatre. Uh, it's a huge pleasure to be able to introduce the extraordinary Emma Williams. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I feel like everyone sort of, you know, knows the sound of music, you know, it's become, you know, a huge phenomenon around the world. Um, what would you say is the biggest misconception about the sound of music? I think possibly the biggest misconception is that everyone thinks it's something light and fluffy and it actually deals with some incredibly dark and serious themes that have become incredibly pertinent given the situation at the moment with Russia and Ukraine. Mm. Um, we're feeling very aware of those of those things and the responsibility towards was the way that war is portrayed and invasion and things but it's interesting it's been it's been very interesting doing the research learning about how austria kind of viewed things and, and the anschluss and the social economic climate at the time that kind of led to a lot of austrians being quite for the anschluss and the joining with germany i love i love all the historical research of things it makes it really fascinates me and and because obviously with a somewhat historical piece with some of the canon pieces we can view things um you know, with a, with an awful lot of hindsight, but uh, it's quite interesting to approach it with that kind of contextual attitude. But overall, I mean, it's just the most glorious piece of theatre, isn't it? You don't get much more perfect than the sound of music. And our Gina Beck, who plays Maria, is so astonishing. It's a masterclass performance, and watching her every night from the from the wings is like, I love you. You're amazing. So yeah, I feel lucky to be part of this team. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely so exciting. I mean, of course, you previously got to work at Chichester on Half a Sixpence, you know, earn an Olivia nomination. Uh, I love story been... as well. So yes, yeah. it's my third time here. How has it been? Um, yeah, being back in Chichester. It's wonderful. It's a it's a brilliant city to come to. Um, to work in and to come for the summer. Although today is very, very rainy, which is not the weather I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> but the audiences here, they really know good theatre. So you know you're in for a treat when you get to come here. And amazingly, this is the first time The Sound of Music has ever been done here. I can't quite believe that. I'm I'm astonished by that. So um, yeah, but it's it's just a beautiful space to play. The Minerva is wonderful and so so compact and intimate. But the the festival being in that kind of thrust environment with the audience kind of all around you is, is really liberating actually for an actor. I find, I find thrust and in the round theatre space is so liberating to perform in because you have to be so open to what people can see and when and be accepting of, you know, someone gets you back at this point, someone gets you front. So you learn a lot about how to kind of portray what you need from different ways through your physicality, yeah. Yeah, the theatre is definitely, you know, a really special place. You know, it's got such an incredible history. So many shows are played there. So many great people have worked there. Um, what do you think it is that makes Chichester Festival Theatre such a special place for so many people? I think it always started out that way. It was always designed in that way of a place to try material and before it went to London. But I think particularly for musicals, you know that you have a well-established discerning audience that will honestly tell you what works and what doesn't. And I think that's why it works very well as a theatre where musicals in particular transfer from, because they've had that sort of out of town tryout vibe that you don't really get um, if you go straight to, to London things. Um, but yeah, I think that's possibly why. 
Yeah, and with this now being your third time in Chichester, uh, do you now have a favourite place to go to or favourite thing to do in Chichester when you're not working? Um, not quite yet, because last time I was here was seven years ago, I think, and before that was 13 years ago. So things have changed somewhat, particularly with the pandemic in the middle of it. I keep going to expect places and they're not there. And it's like, oh, okay, um, try something different. One of my favourite places to go um, when I'm sort of away and touring is a place called Boston um I love it it's like a coffee shop and cafe and restaurant and fabulousness and uh, it turns out there's one here that was not here last time I was here so I was thrilled but um I'm looking forward my daughter comes down on Sunday and she'll be here with me for the rest of the summer and I'm looking forward to exploring the surrounding area with her like taking her to the beaches and to go and paddle in the sea and um and to explore sort of the woods and the walks around here because it's so beautiful it's so beautiful and um yeah I'm looking forward to sharing that with her Yeah, I completely agree. I think Chichester is such a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, Yeah, and I know that you also previously had some history with The Sound of Music. Um, I just want to ask you, you know, did you ever imagine yourself, you know, coming back to the show years later to play Elsa Schroeder? I played Elsa when I was 17 years old in a production with Stage 84. uh, And the year before I played Liesl. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I love the fact that 23 years later from playing Elsa the first time with a kids company where we were all like under 18 uh, I'm now playing Elsa in the most glamorous of costumes which is rather wonderful yeah oh wow and yeah um Adam Penford as well you know of course has been quickly establishing himself as one of the most exciting theatre directors you know on the scene at the moment um, how has it been you know working together on you know crafting this new production of the show Adam is such an exciting director to work with. I love his way of working. We kind of touch on things and then we come back to them and we layer and we add and we add. And it's a really exciting way of working because quite often you'll work through something chronologically. Um, and that can mean that the stuff that you do at the beginning never gets revisited in quite so much detail because obviously everything that you develop then impacts on what you originally did. And that's why it's a really great way of working that he senses how you're going to adapt and change as you get used to your not only your role and your cast, but also your playmates within the piece and how everyone's decisions inform each other. It's a real collaborative experience and that's pretty special. And I think he's sort of mesmerizing. He's got such good humor about him and he has an amazing way of working, not only with grownups, but with the kids. It's a, it's a real learning experience actually in how to get the best from people and work out what people need. And he's just joyous. Like I hands down would work with him any day. Like seriously, he can phone me to read, like say, can you come and read the phone book for me? I'll be like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, you know, the festival stage, you know, it feels, you know, so perfect with the sound of music because it's so vast and, you know, the sound of mm-hmm. music has got an epic sound to it as well. What can audiences expect you know, when they come and see the show and how does that space lend itself to this material? We are really fortunate in that we have a 15-piece orchestra and this is the sort of score that demands to be really, really sung by that by that orchestra and they are phenomenal we have some of the guys join us on stage at certain points which is really wonderful and very very special and it's a whole new set of uh, orchestrations as well done by the wonderful Larry Blank and Mark Cumberland and they've created absolute magic it's really beautiful to hear and it just fills and overwhelms that space in a glorious way it makes your heart sore I spend my time off stage after I sing off stage as various parts and you know adding into vocals on the ensemble pieces because I can't it, you know why would I not you know you don't get to sing Rogers and Hammerstein this very often with a, a beautiful orchestra and then the rest of the time I'm just kind of sitting there either watching what's going on stage or listening to the orchestra like from just that side going yeah that's amazing it makes my heart sing it's joyous 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, of course, also, you know, coming to the end of Daniel Evans's tenure as artistic director at Chichester, um, you, of course, got to work with Daniel on the Golden Age of Broadway concert at South Bank Centre a couple of years ago. Um, what do you see as being the future of Chichester, you know, post Daniel Evans? And, you know, what do you think we can continue to expect from Daniel in the future too? I mean, Daniel is an exceptional actor, director, performer, artistic director. His vision is astonishing. I think the work he's done here at Chichester is amazing. And he'll only continue to do exceptional work because how could he not? Mm. He is glorious. He came in at the end of our rehearsals in the rehearsal room just to have a watch and and was really moved by the piece, which takes a lot. He's, you know, he's he's a he's a tough cookie, I don't know. He's astonishing. Um and to see him moved in that way, you just you just know that something magical is happening. I would relish any opportunity to work with. I've never worked with him as a director before. I've, I've only ever worked with him on stage. So I would, oh God, I'd love to work with him as a director. He's He is so brilliant. Um, and I think Justin's going to do amazing things at Chichester because every new artistic director brings their own vision, brings their own intentions and, and brings something special that they have. And his energy, his effervescence is just beautiful. And I can't wait to see what sort of stuff he's going to line up for the next year because I think it takes I think it takes a while for any artistic director to, you know, discover what they want to do with the place. But I know that his first season is going to be so exciting because how could it not be? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, in recent years, you know, you've also gotten to um, reprise roles, you know, in Zorro and Love Story in concert as well. Um, what has the experience as well, you know, been like, you know, returning to a show and revisiting characters here? There was something so special about Zorro and Love Story. I loved those pieces. And with Stephen Clark, the writer, having sadly passed away a few years ago, doing both of those shows as anniversary concerts with some of the original casts was really, really important to me. And I think particularly because they were just such beautiful, beautiful roles. And I got to do Zorro just shortly after my daughter was born. And then Love Story obviously got postponed because of the pandemic. So we finally got to go back to the 10 year anniversary concert 12 years after the fact. But to sing that role again with Michael, I think there's something when a job like, like Love Story in particular has been so special. And we only ran for three months in London. And I wasn't done with it. I wasn't finished with it. And I thought it would never come back in my lifetime because, you know, I'm I'm the age I am now. I'm not necessarily going to play 25 again. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> but being able to revisit it with Michael Xavier was, and half the original orchestra as well. We had half the original orchestra on stage with us, which was just amazing. It was like kind of just coming back home to friends. It meant so much to me and it was really quite overwhelming. I never thought I'd get a chance to sing that entire score and do that entire script. And I did. And that was really special. And because I knew it was a one-off, I got to properly kind of dig in and go, this is it. This is the last time. Enjoy it. Because I knew it was the last time in my heart. And that was that was pretty special. I mean, genuinely, if anyone wants to do it again and let me sing it again, please do, because uh, that role is dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's been a really exciting time for musical theatre as well in recent years. And interestingly, I feel like Rodgers and Hammerstein are kind of going through a bit of a, of a revival. You know, we had South Pacific at Chichester a couple of years ago. Uh, Oklahoma sweeped the Olivier's this year. King and I is on tour. And now we've got Sound of Music in Chichester. Um, yeah. you know, what do you think it is about these shows in particular, which feels so relevant to a 2023 audience? There is a reason that classic musicals are classic. You know, there's a reason that anything classic is a classic, because it has a longevity and it has there's something that audiences tune into. There's something that resonates with them, whether that's to do with themes or motifs or 
the way that that music gets into your soul. These songs and scores were written for full orchestras. You know, we don't necessarily perform them that way. I was fortunate enough um, when I was pregnant, I traveled to Tasmania with Scott Davies and Western International. And we sang a Rodgers and Hammerstein concert with the Tasmanian Symphonic Orchestra. There's 70 pieces on stage with you, just having the most glorious time getting to sing all the hits from each of those shows. And you realize what an incredible legacy they left behind. Like Sundown says, children and art is all we leave behind to badly paraphrase them. And it's so true because music is written to be heard. Music is written to be sung and played. And it would do it a disservice if it was just never put back out there again. But there's definitely something about them that makes them keep coming back around, whether that's in revised versions um, and in revivals like Our Sound of Music or South Pacific, or whether that's in fully reimagined interpretations like Oklahoma. Only truly great pieces of work could stand up to that kind of reinvention. And I think that's really exciting because it makes it fresh and new for new generations. You know, these don't feel like old musicals they feel like new musicals and that's really special yeah they are definitely really um really special i think for a lot of people but i feel like sometimes they also get a bit of a bad reputation as well when compared to some of the more contemporary works too um do you feel it's you know more challenging you know doing these classics which were written for you know a 1950s audience or is the approach fairly similar to doing a more contemporary piece there is work to be done on the canonical musicals because there are things within them that are not appropriate now there are things that have to be fixed and altered and approaches that need to be changed, some more so than others. Some of that work has been done, some of that work is still to be done. Um, but times have changed, and so we need to take an open approach to how we develop them to make them appropriate, to make them work going forward in order for them to have a future life. And I don't think we should be scared of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that we do that work because because we have changed, because we have moved on uh, in our lives in so many ways that still need to happen across the board. And I think that is something that, you know, is great that the organisations that still own these productions are being very open towards doing. I think that's that's really important because otherwise they will get pushed to one side and they will disappear for good. We have to make the changes that have to happen uh, in order to make them appropriate. That's that's across the board. And that goes with, you know, not just the canon musicals, but the ones from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And even now there are some that come through and you're like, oh, could we, maybe we should just, um. <laughs> we're an incredibly inclusive industry in terms of the people within it. We're a very open industry and it, that needs to expand, not just from the people at the core, but to everybody else outside and then further into the audiences, into the worlds that are out there. Because, Theatre should be an inclusive art form. It should be for everybody. It should be accessible for everybody. And that has to be filtered and brought into the heart and soul of this industry. And I think that's a really important amount of work that has to be done and will continue to have to be done. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different like storylines and so many um, rich characters, you know, that, you know, would be a shame to lose you know, if we were to just like erase them. And, you know, of course, you know, coming to Elsa Schrader now yourself, you know, um, what was it that drew you to this character? You know, how would you describe her almost? It's interesting because when I first got the job and I had a load of people contact me going like, oh yeah, she's such a nasty piece of work and they love that. She's such a villain. I'm like, well, actually, if you read the text of the, of, this, of the musical, of the script of the musical, there's not much in there that's that's really kind of villainous about her. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying she's a goodie at all. And 
very much it's that thing of she's not a baroness in the musical she is in the film and in the film she actively sends maria away she doesn't do that in the musical but these two worlds are so very kind of interlinked that people's ideas of a character are very much within that however this is a woman who very clearly would have voted for angelus she is a businesswoman she's an economic kind of person and it would have been a benefit to her economy that's not to say that she's like yeah yeah Hitler and you know sympathizers she wasn't but at the time no one really knew what was going on there um further down the line we're kind of like she's probably a nazi but we're not playing her that way we're just kind of seeing where we go (laughs) i don't have to like her i just have to understand her shall we say (laughs) (laughs) it's fun playing someone who's not kind of light and floaty and airy fairy she has her own agency and she's pretty blunt about what she wants in life and she's like you're a millionaire you have these great kids yeah we should get married this makes a lot of sense and then she's not prepared to play second fiddle to anybody and she very much is is not the love of our captain von trapp's life that's quite clear <laughs> and it's so much fun plus you get the best costumes when you play these characters <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you've played so many um, amazing you know, protagonists over your career. You know, is it, you know, enjoyable, you know, playing someone who, you know, isn't particularly likable? And, you know, when people see her, you know, they don't necessarily warm to her in the same way. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. And it's also nice. So many women in musical theatre are women who need to be rescued. It's nice playing women who don't need to be rescued. It's nice playing women who are strong and kind of independent of their own right. It's why Jenny and Love Story was kind of so great because you're playing a love story, but you're also playing a woman who's like, no, 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 don't don't think I need you because I don't. And that's really, that's really good fun. But a lot of women in musical theater do need to be rescued by the man and oh, the 11 o'clock number is them. Oh, my life is terrible. This is not that show for any of the women within it. They all have a strong sense of self, whether that's Maria who who understands in the end what she needs to get from her life and, and is really conflicted by her vows to God versus her vows to potentially to this man she wants to marry, whether that's, you know, these kids who aren't prepared to kind of put up with just being talked to as if they're children and not being given their own agency. Like that's really special. To the mother abbess who's able to go, you know, no, 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 I'm I'm running the ship here and I know what's going on. Even down to people like Frau Schmidt, who as a housekeeper opposite Franz, who is quite clearly a Nazi and shows himself to be one in, in the second half, who is a woman who goes, mm, no, no, that's not my thing. And I'm not going to go there. I love the fact that all the women are strong. It's, it's really, it's really exciting because of that. It's pretty yeah. cool. I think it's something you didn't necessarily expect as well from the Sound of Music, that they are all strong women and they all have their own agency. Yeah. Like you say. That's the thing when you're playing against ideas and tropes that have kind of become synonymous with things over the years, whether they're really there or not, because it's that kind of collective mentality when you, when you, something becomes a part of the greater consciousness, it sort of develops these ideas and it's, and it's tricky to kind of pull things away from that. So I think it's a very brave thing to come into it. Sound of music and be like, no, 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 we're not going to just recreate what everybody already knows. We're going to approach this in a new and exciting way and make it something really special and really truthful. And that's phenomenal. And that's, that's down to people like Adam. Mm, absolutely. Um, this year you also turned 40 as well, which is really exciting. Um, how has it been you know, entering this new decade of your life? And you know, what are your hopes for um, your 40s? Um, so far, pretty good. I mean, I've been working in this industry for 20 odd years now, which is sort of astonishing to me. All I can hope is that I continue to work. That's that's the main thing in my life. So I just want to work and keep doing things. You know, there's there's bits and pieces that are lined up for later in the year. And the juggle now is working them with 
with my daughter because you know she is the most important thing in my life and finding work that works around parenthood is really important and it's also really important that we don't lose the mothers in this industry because the drop-off is massive when women become mothers and it shouldn't be a choice in in this industry to either be a mother or work you should be able to do both and I'm quite vocal about that and I love the companies that are making that happen and are helping that to happen without questioning the feasibility of it because both Gina and I our parents were both about the same age you know we we get it we know what it's like to juggle that life and it's fun and it's a challenge but it's wonderful and it should be wonderful so I just kind of hope there's more of that I look forward to doing more work that my kid can come and see she's only three so she's a little young for this one um although I might try and sneak her in to like watch part of the first half so she gets to see the kids do Doremi um because that's just brilliant Lizzie G's choreography is astonishing yeah more more glorious work, more interesting things. You know, I'd like to do some more plays in there. I'd like to kind of do some more traveling around the world and seeing bits and pieces and yeah, just throw the things at me. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, as you transition you know, out of those, you know, ingenue roles in the canon, you know, mm-hmm. are there any sort of roles that you have your eye on as well, you know, as you um, seem to get older too? There are so many. I'd like more Sondheim in my life. I'd love to get to do an in the wood, into the woods being the witch. I'd absolutely kill to do a to do a gypsy one day. I think they're hopefully slightly still far away from me, um, but never say never, you know. Um, I think there are so many, so many great roles out there, and there's probably roles in shows that I'd like to to revisit playing. You know, the older female characters within there. I, I'd love to go and give a Meredith in that boy. That would be brilliant. I had so much fun on that show originally. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of never going to say never to anything, and. I like the openness of that, but I'd also, I'd like to do, I'd like to do Shakespeare. I've never done Shakespeare. I studied Shakespeare, but I'd, I'd love to do Shakespeare. Um, that would be glorious to me. Uh, and to really depth, you know, delve into that text. I'd like to do more straight plays because they're a, a lovely challenge. I'd like to do more TV. I spent a lot of last year filming, which was amazing. Um, and the long shadow that I was working on comes out, I think this autumn. And it was really nice to get back to screen work because I used to film an awful lot. What I started in was in film and television. So it's nice to kind of break out that sort of side of acting again because it's so very different to being on stage um, and particularly into musicals. So, yeah, I think there's a lot out there. And then hopefully, you know, some more fun stuff like a little bit of panto because my heart loves panto and I love Christmas. So, you know, (laughs) I can definitely get my kid to see that, which will make me happy. absolutely um it's been such a pleasure talking to you um this morning um yeah just as a last question uh what do you most want to be remembered for continuing to work well into the latter end of my life um and so someone said to me once like oh you have four olivia nominations i'm like yeah but i've not won yet and it's the yet that's the important bit it's like because if i get another one it means i'm still going if i get another one after that i'm still going i don't mind so much about the winning thing the nomination at least means that i'm still working (laughs) You don't have to get nominations to show you're working, but at least it's kind of going, yeah, yeah, I know that's still happening. So um, I'd like to be remembered for someone who creates stuff that was fun and interesting and inspired other people that come from a working class Northern background, that they can do this, that they don't have to come from a family that's within the industry, that they don't have to be, you know, pushed into it, that it's something they can choose to do, that they don't necessarily have had to train. I didn't train and I'm, I'm still here touch wood <laughs> two two decades on I hope that the third decade is just as much fun and I hope that it brings more joyous exciting things that I'll then go into my 50s going what can we do now <laughs> that would be the best 
<laughs> absolutely emma williams it's been such a pleasure talking to you thank you so much thank you thank you so much carlos <laughs>